Hi Cult Hackers, I'm Stephen Mather, your host today on the podcast. Today I'm speaking to Brent Lee, former conspiracist of 15 years. We spoke to Brent over a year ago when we were called What Should I Think About? and had a fascinating discussion about his story of becoming enmeshed within the conspiracist community. If you want to catch up with Brent's story, you can find that episode of Cult Hackers on your podcast app. It was released on the 23rd of January 2022. Brent has had quite a year and a half and he tells me about his ongoing work and his new podcast called Some Dare Call It Conspiracy, which I highly recommend by the way. We also talk about the social cost of becoming a conspiracist and then the social cost of leaving the community. And also get into our shared interest in some classic alternative histories and the ongoing process of re-evaluating them. Yeah, Graham Hancock gets a mention. Don't forget, if you're listening to this podcast before the 30th of May 2023, the Family Survival Trust are putting on a Zoom meetup with Jilly Jenkinson on the 30th. Jilly is very influential and well-respected as a therapist and specialises in recovering from cults and coercive control and is the author of a new workbook called Walking Free from the Trauma of Coercive, Cultic and Spiritual Abuse, a workbook for recovery and growth. You can join the online event through a free ticket on Eventbrite. I've put a link in the show notes. There you can listen to Jilly um, and also get a chance to ask her some questions maybe. So hopefully I'll see you there. And speaking of the Family Survival Trust, don't forget I'm doing a bike ride from the toe to the tip of the UK. That's Land's End to John O'Groats, which is over a thousand miles. I'm doing that in September um, and I'll be raising money for this charity, the Family Survival Trust, that helps survivors of cortic abuse as well as lobbies for change in the law around coercive control in group settings. So if you'd like to support the ride, the link to my Just Giving page is on the show notes. Okay, so that's enough housekeeping. Over to the interview with Brent Lee. Welcome, Brent Lee, to Cult Hackers Podcast. Hello, Stephen. Thanks for having me back. You're well, absolutely. It's my first time on Cult Hackers, shall we say? Well, that is true. That is true. So last time we had you on, we were called What Should I Think About? Um, but yes, that's right. So all the same, though. So it's lovely to see you again. So um, I guess it's been pretty quiet for you over the last sort of 12 months, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, since the last time we talked, I think uh, that was January last year. Wow. Uh, yeah, I've just been talking about my story seems to be like constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's do a bit of a rundown because um, I almost worried about approaching you now because you're kind of a a big noise and i wondered whether you'd still be interested in coming on our little podcast oh, totally <laughs> so what have you been doing so i know you did a really interesting bbc documentary or you were part of that you were interviewed for that let's let's say um which was really interesting so that's one of the things that you've been doing what else have you been up to yeah um obviously i started my own podcast which you was on that was, that yeah. was brilliant Lots yeah, of fun when we fun. dived into the Stanley Kubrick conspiracy. Did he hoax the moon landing? Um, yeah. If you want to know the answer to that, head over to uh, to some some call it conspiracy. That's it. Yeah. Brilliant. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I've oh, been speaking to so many people. I've, mm. I think I've done three or four BBC interviews since that 
documentary um and podcast by mariana spring which is disaster trolls by the way that was it was a good one uh both me and my co-host neil sanders were part of the investigation yeah spoke to them a, a few more times went on radio 4 to discuss like should we even be you know platforming these ideas to debunk them and obviously i'm in the camp of yes we have to like mm talk about it to, to to deconstruct it yeah um i've had an interview with charlie hebdo that was really really fun and interesting uh, yeah you know i've i was never really a, a fan say of what mm. charlie hebdo do because i am still you know a christian um yeah. i do find their work to be distasteful <laughs> but you know it's freedom of speech everyone should do what they want to do and sure. i don't think that they shouldn't exist um and i, I you know they wanted to talk to me about the conspiracy stuff and that's what mm. i wanted to talk to them about so sure yeah, yeah we yeah. can put everything else aside and let's talk about this one specific thing you know um there there's so many things i got to speak at a university uh at sure. sterling university with carol jasper um yeah so many so many things it's been yeah. amazing been really busy um i mean there's so many things that you that have been kind of raised with you i suppose that we can touch on in our conversation today and i'm you know um quite happy to just ramble around all over the place really um celine's away so i can do what i like um <laughs> so so uh, yeah we can we can talk about a lot of that i mean i i listened to the disaster trolls uh podcast um i i, I sort of wanted to to talk to you a little bit about that because that is such mm -hmm. a um, so listeners, if you've not caught that, it's um, I believe it's available all over the world. I think um, you can listen to BBC podcasts wherever you are. Um, and that's uh, that. how many parts is there in that? Six parts? It's an eight part. No, eight sorry, part. it's a 10 part. Um, 10 part series. You can get it on BBC iPlayer, but you can also get it on the other podcast platforms. Yeah. So Apple and Spotify, it's also on their Disaster Trolls, BBC, Mariana Spring. Yeah, that's a, that's an investigation specifically into. Well, do you want to tell us what what they mean by disaster trolls, Brent? Yeah, not so everybody might mean that might know that. While investigating the like on the in real life harms that conspiracies um, can do, Mariana Spring kept coming across a name of a conspiracist, Richard D. Hall, from people that she was talking to, um, people that were basically being trolled for being caught up in the Manchester arena bombing um and it turns out this richard d hall person was like saying that the whole thing was a hoax similar to the sandy hook mm. um conspiracy theory that allegedly nobody dies and everybody involved is a crisis actor mm. and, and that sort of thing so you know richard d hall wrote a book and a few documentaries about it and espoused this idea and a lot of people who wanted to take his uh, work a bit further to actually test it and see if it's real like would harass essentially the victims of the attack um so they kind of came up with this idea of them like being called disaster trolls they're, they're trolling people that were part of the disaster and richard d hall was doing similar sorts of things in the investigation you'll find out some of his underhanded tactics that he put down to journalism mm. um which included filming uh, a teenage girl without her knowing to see if she was really in a wheelchair you know, things, things like that mm. um and obviously i got involved because of 
my former beliefs in the seven seven conspiracy theory so the london okay. bombings um yeah so let's just um so not all our listeners might know about that so um this is the bombing of the london underground um and a bomb went off on a a, a london bus as well in yep. july 7th of july what year was that uh Brent? 2005 okay so there's a numerology there, seven seven, and then two thousand five. That's two plus five is seven, so seven seven seven. Oh, okay. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I not noticed that one. <laughs> Strangely, um, yeah. Maybe we can get onto that. This um, we we sort of touched upon that tendency to sort of see patterns in things that aren't there, um, or that are there but are, are of not of, of no real significance. But yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. So that's sorry to interrupt, but that was the, that was the event. And there were people um, claiming, in fact, you were one of those claiming that um, that wasn't a real thing. Is that, is that right? See, okay. So I used to believe that it was what was called a false flag. And that was the government actually doing the attack and blaming someone right. else. So okay. we came, this is before Sandy Hook, obviously. So to, you know, 2005 and people didn't generally think that these were hoaxes back then okay. in, in, in the, in the 2000s, like that wasn't really a narrative in the conspiracy community, which today it is almost yep. anything happens. People act like it's a hoax. It's a crisis, you know, crisis actors are involved and nothing really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't think that. And that's what really like, you know, it's what really angered me and really drove a lot of my conspiracies is that I thought the government was hurting our own civilians. Right. You know, they were killing us and blaming someone else. So that's why I was trying to, you know, bring light to a criminal investigation, essentially, that we should be doing on our government. Yeah. But long story short, like I used to push that a a lot. And in 2021, uh, Actually, sorry, no, it was it was last year, seventh of July, two thousand twenty-two. Hmm. I put out a little tweet saying that, you know, admitting my sort of owning owning my yeah. Role, I saw that tweet. Um, and a survivor of seven hmm. seven, Paul, he actually contacted me and you know said like he forgives me for everything I did, and he's really proud of like what I'm doing today. Uh, it, it, it was re- it was really great, and basically, Mariana Spring saw this interaction, and so she got in touch with both of us and said, "You know, could could I interview you both, and would you both like to meet, like either in person or we can do a Zoom call or something?" Turns out, Paul lives in different countries, so we did it over Zoom, um, and that became like one of the episodes to this disaster trolls just to give extra context of you, you know um mm. it's not all bad like we're not all terrible people and that we can actually change you know and, and and something can be resolved from this and i think that's what she was trying to show the conspiracists and trying to show richard d hall himself that you know this could be fixed yeah so yeah so i was able to yeah know, that- be a part of that that episode, um, I remember listening to that because I do remember the um, the tweets that you put out. Actually, I remember the original tweets. I saw it and I saw the reply, um, and that was quite affecting. But when I listened to the documentary and I heard your, because we actually get to hear you two talking um, on that call, and um, yeah, it's actually a you know I think a lot of people reacted in the same way. There's a lump in in your throat, you know, and mm. 
it kind of even now talking about it, I think it's it's such an emotional um piece actually. And that ability for somebody like you to be able to say, look, you know, I, I want to say sorry and I wanna I wanna own what happened, I think is yeah, is is really, as I say, affecting. It's really heartwarming, although coming from something that was absolutely horrible. So yeah, that's um that's definitely worth checking out if our listeners haven't listened to that. And the whole um the whole documentary is is really I think important actually because it it's um mm-hmm. obviously it goes into more than just um that incident and um it, it addresses conspiracy theories as a whole in a bit more detail and and so yeah, it's definitely worth um worth listening to that. Okay, so that was one of the things that you did and um uh, Mariana Spring is known in, in the BBC as the misinformation um, uh, reporter or uh, correspondent, isn't it? she? So she yeah. speciali- specialises in this this sort of um, uh, false narrative and misinformation, all different avenues, which in itself is quite interesting that there is an actual reporter dedicated to that as a thing. You know, yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole team out there. Right. There's a whole team out there, and she's like one of the big uh, correspondents for it. It's become a lot more. I've seen it grow mm. since coming out. Like I've seen so many more journalists from from all different outlets like start yeah. to actually tackle this problem that we have. Really, yeah, yeah. It's one of the um, it's one of the modern day problems that um, is driving us apart, really, isn't it? And and we've talked on our podcast about uh, authority in different guises and where where we can get authoritative ideas from and um you know who we can trust and all of that and i think it is increasingly difficult and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better so i think um yeah uh, a sort of ongoing issue um so you've you that was a big thing for for us i think we we really found that really interesting and um that was a really amazing piece of work um you've also so you've done a bit on local BBC Bristol, I think. You, you've you've done a little piece on there. I've seen that on your your Twitter page. Yeah, I popped down to the um, BBC Bristol studio to talk about the the general like my story. Really, yeah. um, also did a filmed a piece for Bristol Cable, which is which is oh, a okay. co op um, here in Bristol, which is you know it's it's a newspaper owned by its members essentially and that that was that was wonderful piece like i'm really pleased with what they did on that video that one that one was a good one um and of course the other thing that you've been so busy with is the um is the podcast um which as you said i've i've been privileged to uh to to come on and um have a little well uh uh, three or four hours i think it was (laughs) (laughs) it was a long old job but it was great i think it was like nearly five i think we nearly recorded for five hours it was a it was a marathon session it was a it was phenomenal episode though i I loved having (laughs) you on there steve and that was like the perfect episode for you to come on as well i loved it i mean i can't i I just can't get enough about talking about films and tv I'm, i'm an absolute addict so um yeah um i'm always up for that um yeah so how's that going i I mean i'm guessing that's quite um that that's taking off as well yeah yeah um since actually it's been since this year Mm. that's really started to kick off like obviously you know how how long it takes to start building an audience definitely but yeah we were we released um beginning of april last year that was the first one and we're like eight deep dives in and 10 bonus episodes 
you know, we, the, the deep dives are obviously like four hours plus, but yeah. now we're trying to do pick up some more like interviews and mm-hmm. other things to do on the side. Cause we we're, we're, we're planning a reboot essentially okay. um, cool. because these things are four hours long. You know, we have had a lot of people say like, they're a bit too long. Hmm. I, I just want to listen to half hour at a time, you yeah. know? So yeah. basically we've, we've decided to format it a little bit different when it comes to the, the deep dives and mm. kind of broke it into a new series. Like okay. every deep dive is going to be its own standalone series. Right. So then it'd be eight parts, you know, like these, most of these narrative podcasts, yeah. uh, eight parts, half hour released every week, basically. So you can actually just take in a piece by piece if you really want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, so many people in, enjoy it. I, I'm really pleased with yeah. like what we've actually been able to, to make. We went in going like, let's do three episodes, see how we do, mm. see if we even get on, you know, me and Neil. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's just been a bit of a snowball, to be honest. It's just like big, getting bigger and bigger and bigger every, every release, every month. It's fantastic. Mm. Like we've had Mariana Spring on there to interview her about her whole journey. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's interested in that, we've had uh Infowars Alex Jones whistleblower who helped in the Sandy Hook defamation oh, wow. case. We've had him on. Um, we've had just had David Gilbert from Vice Magazine, Vice mm. Vice News. Uh, we've we've had Greg Hall, a, a movie director, come in and chat with us. It's just been incredible. It's been so fun, like speaking to lots and lots of people about mm. this. And people that are lined up in the future as well. Like that's that's even more exciting, right? Well, I mean, these are some big names, so uh, you've done really well to um, to to land these guests. That's great. I know from my own experience, I'm the one who does all the booking of guests, so um, I know <laughs> how hard it is to, you know, people are busy and um, they, yeah. they obviously want to make sure that their time is well spent. So it's great that you're getting these people to talk about such an important issue. Um, yeah, I'm wanna... so I'm so surprised to be honest. I'm st- I am yeah. still so surprised <laughs> since first making that like first video that anybody other than conspiracists would listen to me or want to even hear what I had to say. I'm it's still very very weird. So to what me. what is your working hypothesis then? Why do you think people are interested in this topic? I think it's because we're so affected by it and because it's become so mainstream. Mm. Um and a lot of people are starting to see the harms in it, the antisocial aspect of it, all of that. Like, and I think people generally want to, you know, have a better world, make a better place, and so they're trying to figure out what what's going on here. Mm. So I guess that's a good sign. That that's uh, that suggests that society wants to find a solution to it, um, mm. despite our polarization that we seem to be experiencing. Um, one of the topics I wanted to cover with you today, Brent, was social cost. Um, so I, I read a paper that I don't know if you've read it already, but there's a quite an interesting paper about the social cost of conspiracy theories. Because I think one of the things that people that I guess people who are not into conspiracy theories, there is a, an automatic um, opinion of what people are like if they believe in conspiracy theories. And so the belief in conspiracy theories seems to come at a social cost or has done over the years. Like, you know, people think, oh, they're a bit weird or they're, they, they're very gullible or whatever. Um, and this paper sort of examines that and looks at what is the social cost. But of course it's, 
um, people wouldn't do this if they didn't have some benefits to it. So there's also some social benefits. And so, you know, depending on the group you're talking about, being a conspiracy theorist can can come at a, at a cost, but it can also come with some benefits because you've got a community there that you associate with, that you that you feel part of, that you identify with. Of course, what you've done is is your story is, um, I guess, the social cost of leaving that group. Um, and looking at some of the comments you've you have to field on Twitter, and I know you always engage with that, or you generally do, um, although I'm sure there's times when you you don't. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about about that? Because I think that's really interesting. I, I don't think I could um, handle that with the patients that you do, but what's that like? The sort of um, the attacks and the the way that people sort of approach you now. Um, I, I try and just see the funny side of it. Yeah, like because I would have been them. I would have done the same thing. There was there was a big case like back in back in our day. Like there was a guy called Charlie Veach, and he was a big nine eleven truther. He was an English uh, individual, <laughs> and he was taken on some Channel Four um, conspiracy road trip, and he was shown like evidence basically of nine eleven not being an inside job. Right, and he changed his mind. Oh wow. And everyone was like, he was a plant. He's an agent. <laughs> and I was saying the exact same yes. thing about him. You know, um, the difference is we didn't really like find him on social media and hound him and like tell him that he was an agent. We just like, well, fine. See you later. Um, yeah. Whereas today we all have access to social <laughs> media right there on your phone. And you can tell someone that you're, you're an idiot. <laughs> like really quickly i you know what the thing is with talking to these people on my social medias is every time every comment enforces that i was completely wrong about all this stuff mm. it really like drives home this mm. you people are assuming something and you think it's true and i live this life and I know it's not true. <laughs> like yes. it's not true. So what else are you thinking about other things that yeah. aren't true? And it just like really is so like, it reflects back like my my past me every time. And it, it just really cements it every single, every single time, especially when people are like, you're a shill, you're an agent, you're a fed, you're this and you're that, you get paid. How much are they paying you? Yeah. Uh, and I was gonna ask you about that. How how well you're doing with all this money that you get. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to know where it is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. Um, yeah, I mean, listening to or reading the um, the comments um, on Twitter, they 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 tend to fall into those camps that you've already described, really. Um, but often it is that there's a real belief that yeah, there's there's loads of money being made here. Well, you're making money by by doing what you're doing, and. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I've never really thought about it like that. But yeah, if, if there's anything to reinforce that, um, you know, you of course you are the 100% person who can absolutely know that you are who you say you are. The fact that they get that wrong constantly tells you something. And are unwilling to listen. Yeah. Unwilling yeah. To, to reason. Like, mm. I've always think to myself, like, why don't you just say I'm wrong? Just yeah. say I'm wrong. Like, and then we can move on. But you got to, bring up this other conspiracy you got to pull me into the conspiracy that you believe in mm. now you're proving to me the conspiracy isn't real and that you're not a rational thinker 
Yeah, that's, know, if that's you a really just good say, point. You're wrong. Could... I disagree. He, yeah. he got it all wrong and he left. Yeah. yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. Yeah, but they can't. That's right. They could just say, you know, um, Brent's misguided. He doesn't understand. Um, but yeah, but it's, it can't be that simple. It's got to be more complex. It's got to be um, that you've been forced or or um, tempted to to become some agent and is, is being paid for it and so on. Yeah. So just mm-hmm. addition to um, clearly they think you are wrong, but that's not that's not simple enough. Yeah. That's that's a really that's a really interesting point. It's similar yeah, I mean, to like other like religious groups or whatever, when you leave that and they think that you've been seduced by the devil. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such a similar mindset. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about similarities. I mean, we, we did discuss that a little bit last time you were on, but I guess um, you continue to read and study and think. And um, so obviously this is cult hackers and the similarity between cults and the belief in conspiracy theories is, is there, it's not um, completely the same thing, I don't think, but um it has lots of similarities. Have you noticed any more of those uh, as you've been sort of thinking about your experience? Is it, it definitely lies within like the the way that the community react to you. Yeah, I think that's 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 one thing that to me makes you go, oh, this is so cult like. Mm. You know, and I of course on Twitter or whatever sometimes I call it just a cult. But yes. you know, if I'm speaking in these sort of terms, I you know, give me a chance to explain what I mean. I want to say it's a cult-like ideology. Yeah. You know, that's the way I like to explain it. Because it's obviously, it's not a cult. There isn't like four walls and there isn't a leader and there isn't this contained thing, really. It's like mm-hmm. a permeating meme in our heads. So it's like an ideology, yeah. you know, but the community around these ideologies form these bonds. And yeah, they the way they react to people leaving or coming out against them is extremely like that. And you can even see that in some of the thought leaders, like some of the influencers or journalists that are starting to step away a little bit from this, like COVID conspiracies and everything Mm -hmm. they're getting the, the the thought leaders coming after them, the David Ikes and all of those sorts of people are like also now, trying to like tell the followers don't listen to this person mm. they've been a they've been dishonest all the way through it's, it's so so very similar in that sort of sense so it's very similar to apostasy really from a um yeah. a religious perspective so if you leave a cult um certainly my experience you know if you speak out against it you're labeled an apostate um, and essentially that's what you're being labeled, isn't it? By these, these people or, or people like you or who are stepping away from it are then, yeah, apostasy, mm-hmm. um, which comes often comes with a cost again, a social cost. Um, yeah, that's, um, that's interesting. Um, one of the things I was going to ask you about is the ever renewal or uh, the continual renewal of conspiracy theories or how i don't i'm still not sure where that's the best way of describing it we all know but a bit like the word cult really it's like the one everybody knows but of course there are conspiracies in the world it doesn't mean that anytime you believe in a conspiracy it means you're part of a damaging ideology you know we know there have been conspiracies there Mm -hmm. absolutely 
are still conspiracies in the world. People basically trying to do things without others knowing is a conspiracy. Um, but I was just, I'm interested in these kind of um, ideological and slightly, um, I suppose, out there ideas. So when I first started to hear about this sort of stuff, I mean, we've always known that there was a flat earth society, for instance, you know, there's always been people believing in that, or at least saying they believe it. Um, but there's there's a whole kind of new wave of this sort of thing. And I suppose 5G was the first time I heard about anything that uh, I suppose I'd heard about 9-11 conspiracies, but I remember hearing about the 5G thing. Um, and I was I've noticed that that's just seems to have gone away, really, that I don't see anybody on Twitter talking about 5G anymore. I don't hear that talked about. So it seems like there's these it's a bit like, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, my ex group saying that the the world is going to end in 1914 and then it's 19. 25 and then it's 1975 and then it's another day and you know it's like well what about that and and um yeah all sorts of things that kind of come and go how do how do they make sense of that those that are in these groups i think in a similar way they just rush it over right. and just move on to the next and don't like address yeah. that they got that bit wrong mm. or if they do they like say it really quickly while they're announcing the new date yeah you know, it, it's just because you believe this thing's going to happen, like it's still going to happen. You just got the date wrong. Mm. You know, so like with the COVID sort of conspiracies and the 5G is like they 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 knew they 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 know in inverted commas that yeah. they're try that they are trying to harm all of us. So well the 5G rollout happened around that time. So it they must it must be that then they kind of forget about that because they've got a new thing which is the vaccine is the yeah. one that's harming everyone so you know and then they just focus their energy on that and it's just it's just moving goalposts and focusing mm. on the next thing mm. I, I do wonder myself like what why are we not going to address this first bit that we were wrong about <laughs> yes. like we're just going to move on shall we okay <laughs> that is it and that's a that is so similar i suppose um, i mean when i i mentioned to you um when we first spoke that i when i left jehovah's witnesses i i can't was kind of floundering around a bit and stumbled across some old books about pyramids and pyramidology yeah. um calculations in the great pyramid that pointed to 1914 as being the end of the world or jesus christ's second coming um and um, interestingly, that there was links there with Jehovah's Witnesses or Bible students, Charles Taze Russell um, and all of that. Yeah. Um, so when I stumbled across that, that kind of felt almost like, um, well, this is providence. You know, I'm, I'm going back to the beginning. I'm finding something that um, was um, relevant. So, you know, that's the sort of thinking, isn't it? You know, I've left this or I'm not sure about this or this religion. And then I stumble across this thing that has some links to it. And I think, oh, wow, this might have something to do with my search. Um, so I got into that. And, um, and then I started to read... Um, I mentioned about John Anthony West and uh, Graham Hancock. I know you've addressed that. I'll come to that again in a minute. Um, and um, and there was a magazine called Quest for Knowledge. I don't know if you remember that one, um, but I I remember reading that. And the big thing then was the face on Mars. So we are going back nearly 25 oh, years yeah. now. So the face on Mars, you know, this was definitely Mr. Richard Hoagland. 
Hoagland, that's the man, yeah. There was definite evidence that that civilization, there was a civilization on Mars, and then there was these theories that oh, there's pyramids as well. So there's photographs of um, you know, what I'm guessing are mountains, um, but um they these are definitely pyramids, definitely man-made structures. Because of course, in those days we didn't have the high resolution photographs we do now. Um, and I remember having uh, an, an argument on the letters page with one of the guys that was um, that would say, well, this is definitely evidence that there was an advanced civilization, there was a war, um, all these things are happening on Mars. And um, now I don't hear about that at all. Nobody talks about that at all. Um, because we've got the photographs now, we know what Mars looks like. We've even got rovers on there and helicopters and a helicopter, and we haven't found those pyramids. Yeah, but when those pictures came out, I moved to goalpost then. Well, oh, or I didn't even move to goalposts. I just said, well, they're fake. Oh, of course, wow. of course, they're like photoshopping, like <laughs> they're photoshopping the mm. face out of it. Like yeah. they're covering it up. Of course they are. Like because <laughs> I was already in the mindset of no, yeah. there's a face on Mars. Like, mm. yeah, that's, nothing that's, was gonna convince me. Like that's because it, I've it? already mm. made my mind up now. Mm. Yeah, so it did. That's interesting. I mean, uh, we know about the um, the work of Leon Festinger, who talks about how believers in these sorts of things will often double down on their beliefs, and when it when there's um, information to show that actually their beliefs are not true, then then some people might leave, but others actually double down even further. So they 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 they'll do more to demonstrate their belief in it. And that's part of this trying to reduce that cognitive dissonance, this uncomfortable feeling that actually I might've got something wrong here. No, if I, if I really push harder then that demonstrates, I really do believe it more. So I guess it's the same, the same process. And um, so, yeah, let's get on to Graham Hancock. So um, I know we, we spoke briefly about his books before we, we kind of was, were actually quite, um, uh, we 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 had a bit of a soft spot for for Mr. Hancock in his early works. Um, what it, what do you think now? Because he's just released this or recently released this uh, documentary series on Netflix. So what what are your thoughts on that now? Um, okay, I, I rewatched it and I realised that he's a conspiracist. <laughs> like, I didn't realise it really before. I just thought he was you know an alternative historian or whatever that kind of thing. But oh. <laughs> my god i just kept hearing <laughs> like almost in every sentence really? some sort of trutherism mm -hmm. you know and, and i really was like oh god i think i need to relook at this because i didn't actually like go back and look at this type of thing mm -hmm. you know I, I had i had so many i tried to say like as a conspiracist you have an opinion on every conspiracy theory you don't believe everyone but you have an opinion on almost every single one of them whether you think it's a real one or that's fake one or this or that's the government did that or aliens did that. It's always the same. You have an opinion on everything, right? Right. So I had all these opinions on the Graham Hancock stuff, but I also had the opinions on the false flags or the, the geopolitics and everything. Um, so that was the kind of stuff that I started to break down for myself first. Like I was like looking into more of the secret societies, um, you know, breaking apart the new world order Illuminati belief system that I had and all those sorts of other things. And I kind of forgot about the hmm. pseudo archeology, span et cetera, sort of stuff, because 
I always found a bit of comfort in that. It was like fun. Mm. It was a bit like, yeah, fun. It's light entertainment, essentially. Mm. It's it's not when you're looking at like satanic ritual abuse and all this other dark stuff, Mm. like watching Graham Hancock was was walking the park, you know, it it was, that was our light entertainment. Um, But now, yeah, obviously I can hear everything like that. So I, again, on Twitter, I was like, I need to address this, this thing that I haven't, haven't addressed yet. Mm. And uh, as part of like what I'm doing here is actually trying to share my journey in real time, like what I'm doing, how I'm, Mm -hmm. how I'm processing all these old beliefs. And I'm trying to like do it like in front of other people. And sometimes I can't, sometimes I can't like, sure. I f- first I, I I put this tweet out asking for, you know, one of these prominent archaeologists to come talk to me. And graciously, uh, Flint Dibble, who is going to be debating Graham Hancock on Joe Rogan later in the year, oh, wow. um, he came to speak to me, like to have a, you know, do a podcast with me and like do an interview and answer my, some of my questions, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I tell you what, like he he hit me up straight away and i put him off for like three months because i just was scared i I, wow. I've gotta admit this i i was scared to sit there and talk to him and like be so open so about you, that kind of thing of? everyone else hearing it right because like it like i said like i try and do this in real time and try and sure. show people the thing that i'm going through or whatever and a lot of the time a lot of the time like that vulnerability is like I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. Being an artist, being a musician, like part of my art and creativity has always been in like exposing the vulnerable parts of myself. And so I've always found comfort in doing that. So I can kind of feel like I'm doing that now. Yeah. But there was something about this. I was just like, Oh, I was very apprehensive. I was very, it's just, I can't say it any other way than like I was scared. Yeah. I was scared to show people that that part of it. But eventually, like he hit me up again, like right after Christmas, and he's like, "Hey, do you still want to do this?" And I was like, "Fine, let's do it." Okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. And we just went on, and it was, it was fine. It's absolutely fine. I was, I don't know what I was really scared of. Essentially, like Flint was amazing. He was a fantastic person to speak to. He's he's really fun. Um, and he was very, very understanding, you know, of, of what I believed. And he wanted to have that conversation because he wants to know why, why do you believe these things? What is it that Graham's giving that, you know, the truth isn't giving. Yeah. And, and it was, yeah, it was fantastic. So what, um, uh, we must, uh, everybody must listen to that, that podcast. I haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet. I, I've seen it and I thought, all right, that I've got to do, but I'm a bit like you in that I, I've not watched the Graham Hancock, um, documentary. Mm. Um, I'm apprehensive of doing that. Um, and I don't know why I, it's not because I'm worried about, cause I'm not doing the same thing that you're doing. I don't feel like I'm, I'm opening myself up like you are, um, in the same way, but I don't know why I, um, yeah, I've not watched it yet. I, I used to watch ancient aliens. Celine used to, um, take the Michael out of me. I used to love watching ancient aliens. Um, mainly because I think like, like you said, it's kind of just entertainment. It's, um, 
it's just a it's almost like like watching Stargate, you know, an episode of Stargate or something. It's just just a bit of light entertainment and a bit of fun, um, and it just allows your what if uh, bone to um, you know to be exercised or muscle to be exercised. But yeah, I, I've not watched it, but what I have seen is quite a lot of um, rebuttals on YouTube, which is a bit new. I think that's something I haven't seen. So I have been watching archaeologists and other experts talk about the issues raised in that, um, and that might be something new. So I suppose my, my question was going to be, why is it that people prefer the Graham Hancock version to the um, the more accepted version of who built the, built the pyramids and when and the Sphinx and all of that? Why, why do we prefer the um, the Hancock version? To be honest, I think it's just because it's more exciting. Yeah. And and I said this to Flint and I was like, I'm not mm. trying to be rude, but like academics and lecturers and that kind of thing, you're boring. Yeah. You're, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be mean or rude. I'm just trying to say how it is. Like it's yeah. it's boring. You use big long words and all these things, and it's just mm. boring. Like he has got this way of communicating that's just different. Yeah, you know, and it speaks to you, and it just hits you straight away. And a lot of conspiracists do the same thing, like they're doing the same thing with politics. Mm. You know, like you could sit and watch the politics show or whatever, and it's boring. But you listen to like someone else, like one of these people talk about it, they're making it exciting. You know, yeah. and I think that just does speak to us, like mm. as individuals. I don't know. We like sensationalism. We like fantastic stories essentially um and if you're boring like we just just whatever yeah. <laughs> no one wants to go to school we f we finished school when we were kids we wanted like <laughs> have fun now you know yeah. i think it's something like that who knows so what did you say to that because i i've uh, i've been in a bit of a rant on our authority uh podcast episode where i i feel the same way about um you know academics talking about psychology and um other other areas where it it gets it gets drowned out by by more popular yeah. so what did he say to that um he said well how do we communicate better right and and i think that's the that's the thing is like there needs to be new people that come along and talk about this mm. essentially yeah. you know that can communicate this on a i hate saying the word normal but a, a normal people's yeah. level like a layman's or whatever like yeah there's a way of communicating science essentially like mm. like neil degrasse tyson or carl sagan like mm. they were fantastic communicators at like breaking it down to me like i i did not understand a lot, a lot of stuff but i can sit and watch carl sagan mm. like cosmos or neil degrasse tyson's cosmos too and i can understand everything that's going on mm. You know, and and it's exciting, and it's and it's captivating the way they're telling you it, and you're actually learning stuff from that, mm. and and it's it just comes down to finding like new communicators because you do need that academic stuff. Mm. You need you need the yes. academics like doing yep. that stuff, and then you need someone to come along, read that, and go, oh, how do I interpret this to people yep. who don't understand these terms? Yep. And then and that's that's kind of how you do it. I mean. I guess essentially I'm doing the same thing in conspiracism. Mm. You know, I'm like explaining this alien world of conspiracies to the rest of the public now. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's um I think you're absolutely right. And and the other thing that I was 
and this comes back to something you hinted at before, is that I think for too long the academics have kind of ignored these ideas that are, are a bit outside the the norm. So, you know, um, I, I, again, Celine takes the mickey out of me for this one. I actually attended a um, an event in London where they had one of the um the the people that the egyptian authorities looks after looking after the uh, the antiquities there um so that was one of the first time they'd kind of engaged with this community that was fascinated absolutely you know this was a really engaged group of mostly um middle-aged white men but you know there were also <laughs> others there but you know this was a big group and surely these are the people you want to get engaged in your in your science in your in your field um and so they did on that occasion but it, it still felt quite awkward quite difficult um and I, I don't see enough um but i that's why i think it's interesting now to see some academics going on youtube having a youtube channel saying right um here's what graham hancock said about this this is what we know. This is what we've got evidence for. This is what this research tells us. This is what this says. Um, he didn't tell you this, and this is something that's been missed. And I think that's really important. But I think it's almost like academia has felt a bit too good and too important to deal with these ideas that are a bit beneath them. And I think that's yes. a massive mistake. There's like a, a certain elitism. Yeah. Yeah. But the, like I said, like finding the better communicators, like it is on YouTube. It is yeah. these people that understand this stuff and then go to YouTube to create content because they're trying to bring it out to other people, Yeah, yeah. you know, but unfortunately they don't get a Netflix series and Graham Hancock does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we do have, um, I mean, the UK, obviously, we've got the BBC, um, and I, I know there's a lot wrong with the BBC, but I, I feel lucky that we have that, um, whether it will carry on in its form as it is, I don't know. But there is money for making science programmes in the BBC, mm. whereas that's not always the yeah. case in, in more commercial environments. And so we do get science on TV. Uh, we get Brian Cox and, and we get others like him who are actually quite good communicators, but they are in a minority. And um, yeah, we need we need more of that. Okay, cool. So, um, what what's your plans then for the next uh, for the next few years? Your your start. You're kicking off your new style podcast. When does that happen? Um, uh, when I've, I've finished editing this series. <laughs> <laughs> no, hopefully, sometime in May. Hopefully, okay. I, I wanted it to be in April, but you know, real life gets in the way, and uh, you don't get to do as much as you really want to do because yeah. I'm not really a shill. I actually do go to work ten hours a day. I only get about four or five hours sleep every night and I don't get paid for any of that extra stuff that I'm doing because I'm not an actual agent that works for the government. <laughs> to get onto that government there and uh, get that check uh, in the post. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, hopefully okay. it will be coming out soon. And by, by May, uh, we'll be doing our like sideshow every two weeks or so anyway. Uh, we're just really just trying to concentrate on doing this for now I, there's a few things in the pipeline that okay. i'm also going to be be up to over the year um i i've been invited to go to one of these um conferences like cool. to talk about disinformation mm -hmm. in october yeah by the dis disinfolab.eu which is an which is a non-governmental organization 
you know, um, mm. basically looking into disinfo across across Europe, essentially. Mm. Um, supposed to be going there to do the opening talk, which is wow, pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. Um, I spoke to the, the the head guy of it, the director of it, and yeah, he was like, "Look, I want you to come tell your story because I want the academics and everybody there to hear your story so that they know." why they're doing their job yeah we need to prevent you from happening essentially <laughs> so here this is what we're trying to stop happening like yeah. what happened to to brent um yeah but the main focus really right now is just let's try and uh work on the podcast essentially we want to get this series version going yeah and that's available on YouTube, but also on all the podcasts. All the podcasts. Um, it's probably yeah. better to go to your podcast yeah, uh, platform because YouTube does not like what I put up. They do not. <laughs> they, they tend to not like, um, I don't know, debunking conspiracies because I have to talk about the conspiracy. Yeah. So it can get labeled as disinformation. Yeah. Um, and obviously the next one that we're doing is pizzagate which involves oh, wow. a lot of like child sexual abuse and other things like that so yeah. youtube will heavily censor it and not not really want it up um but it's a really important topic to talk about because I mean, a lot that... of conspiracism today like does feed off of that like we wouldn't yeah. have q on yeah if we didn't have pizzagate you know so something that we have to talk about but yeah you can get it on all you'll be able to get it on all of your platforms instead. It's better go better go in there. Go go to your podcasting apps. Yeah. Um some day I call it conspiracy. Um and it's you and your podcast host or your co-host, Neil Sanders. Um actually there's something that just occurred to me I was gonna ask you about, Brent, before we go, was um something I, I've just suddenly become I know I'm quite late to the party, but uh, a bit uh, alarmed about or very alarmed about is the use of AI in um, cults uh, manipulation and, and the actual prospect of, of an AI itself becoming a essentially a cult leader um, by manipulating people to do what its sort of algorithm is, is trying to do. Um, listening to uh, an expert on... AI, uh, Russell, I think his name is, um, he was actually using the recommender algorithm on YouTube as an example of how that can happen. Um, and I don't know whether you've thought about the effects of AI and, and increasingly sophistication of that in dragging people or, or attracting people down these rabbit holes. Have you Have you sort of thought of that? No, I haven't actually. I, you know, <laughs> because I was so negative and such an uh, pessimist, I guess essentially, not a pessimist really, but a cynic about everything. Yeah, I like with the new AI like chatbot and the art yeah. and everything. I'm just looking at the good things, I'm not even thinking about the bad stuff about it. To be honest, yeah. I'm just like going, "Oh, isn't this amazing? Look, I can make it do this." Oh, I can make it. Uh, what if I made it do that? I could. Uh, I'm just kind of in a more optimistic stage of it. Okay. Well, I don't want to make you feel depressed then. So maybe forget <laughs> I said that. Yeah. 
<laughs> but it, it is quite uh quite terrifying so you know the the um the recommender algorithm on youtube um this guy was saying russell he's a uh, stuart russell i think his name is a very well-known ai expert um but he was saying that what the algorithm does is it doesn't just recommend to you the next video that it thinks you might be interested in it's actually trying to change you as a consumer so that it, you're a more uh, predictable um purchaser or buyer of the the adverts if you like the ads so it's actually kind of manipulating us to not just to go down the rabbit holes but actually to become a or to change your thinking in some way and that started to ring bells with me because i thought that's mm. really what a cult leader does they're trying to change you into something different to make you a more useful member of the group so that's i think like it's just cult, something the cult of consumerism though isn't it i guess well if yeah it's I mean, driven the... by ads yeah i mean the simple algorithm is basically just to keep the viewer on the youtube page it's as simple as that you know so with that very simple algorithm what it's doing is it's it's learning about what sorts of content keeps people on um mm. and then in a sort of i guess evolutionary way it's obviously it doesn't have an intelligence that it sits there and thinks oh um this is a good way of doing it it's just through these correlations and trial and error and it starts to notice that this sort of content produces more views of this sort of person and um so yeah i think that's something to watch out for it's probably the next battleground or the next front on this battle against uh conspiracy thinking and misinformation i mean clearly a lot of that is already happening with QAnon and, and those sorts of things um as soon as you start looking at something that's a bit out there you know i did a bit of research into what people believed around flat earth and um, beliefs and of course all of a sudden i start getting all sorts of recommendations on in my feed so yeah it's it's already happening i guess yeah it's weird because sometimes you only watch one of their videos mm. and then you go back and watch a bunch of other stuff that you normally watch and then all of a sudden your homepage is filled with that yeah one like mm. I, I did i only wanted to watch that one video of him making a fool of himself it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. i didn't want to hear what he was talking about yeah <laughs> Yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's just um, interesting stuff. Um, and the very last thing I'm going to say to you uh, before I let you go, Brent, is behind you on your wall, um, you've got the classic uh, X Files picture there. I want to believe. Um, what what did X Files do to us? Do you think that we actually society <laughs> has become what the X Files did to us? <laughs> um, hey, I think it did. Like at the end of the day things like x-files um puts it into the consciousness you know into to to into society like like if we didn't know about these ideas probably wouldn't believe them or whatever you know yeah yeah um pop culture right yeah <laughs> yeah we didn't realize when we were innocently watching Mulder and scully that we were preparing the way for a yeah that we would all become world. the lone guns <laughs> <laughs> indeed <laughs> right and on on that bombshell um i'm gonna say brent thank you so much for coming back on the show it's brilliant to see what you're doing and um you know i really do admire you for the work you're doing it's fantastic work and uh, your podcast is brilliant so everybody needs to listen thanks again brent thank for you. coming on the show see you again soon
Yeah, thanks, mate. Bye, everybody.